This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. I want to take a minute to let you know all about a brand new contest put on by my friend, Bello Cipriani, who you heard in episode 114, telling us all about queerness, blindness, and disability. Well, he started a publishing company a while back called Ola Books, and they are committed to amplifying the stories of disabled writers. This year, in partnership with Pen to Paper, an international creative writing competition with the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities, Oleb Books has announced a new award for disabled writers, the Oleb Books Personal Essay Award. For this inaugural award, the team has chosen the theme of disabled parents. Now, I know there are so many disabled parents out there with something to say and a story to tell. What are the challenges of being disabled and raising a kid? What is disabled pregnancy like? Could you be a disabled mom or dad, or neither, or both? And so much more. Winners of this contest will receive $50 and have their essay featured in an anthology published by Oleb Books and be part of a big national marketing campaign. You can enter the contest by heading over to olebbooks.com contests or you can click on the link in the show notes of today's episode of Disability After Dark. Thanks, friends! Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there, everybody. Andrew Gerza here. I am your disabled people are hot creator, your disability dreamboat, your disabled dick smith, and I'm here to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you. Let's do that today. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started. So last month, our show was nominated for a Canadian Podcaster Award. We were in the adult content section, and while we did not win, I just want to say it's a fucking honor to have a show like this nominated in that category. It was so cool to see disability content up against other big Canadian podcasts. That's great. That's awesome. And for those of you who listen in Canada and who do podcasting, thanks for voting, and I hope you did, and I really appreciate being um, being thought of my little show that I record in my bedroom. So many people have been like, hey, do you do this show in a studio? And no, I'm literally looking outside my window right now, and that's how I record the show. So that, like, no, th- there's no fancy production value that goes into this program at all in any way 
So uh, I really feel honored that 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 my show on sex and disability was was picked to be nominated for something like that. That's a huge a huge accolade that I won't ever forget. The nomination is important to me. So thanks, Canadian Podcast Group. Thanks for that. That's awesome. Back around the mid-60s of this show, I sat down with my good friend Dick Wound from the Off the Cuffs podcast, who also coincidentally is helping me to produce and sell t-shirts of the Disabled People Are Hot variety, which I promise you are coming. As I'm recording this, I'm waiting for Dick to get samples to his place and then he's going to send me a sample that I can wear and try out just to make sure the material is perfect and ready to go and when that's ready I promise you the merch will be coming but I sat down with him last year to talk about his his um, heart issues and how that relates to kink and we had a really fun conversation and I wanted to sit down with his partner on Off the Cuffs Minimus Maximus, who I found out later is somebody who lives with Asperger's and is also in the King community. If you listen to their show, Off the Cuffs, you know this. But um, he reached out to me. Actually, one of I reached out to him and said, I want to have you on my show. Um, you're great. Let's have a talk about how Asperger's affects you in terms of the King community and affects you in terms of masculinity and all that stuff. So we sat down together. For about an hour and 20, we sat down um, and talked about masculinity, Asperger's, kink, order, uh, sexuality, comic books, scene play, and Asperger's. So all those things go into each other. We had a really fun conversation. And one of the things that I noticed in listening back to the replay of the show as I was putting it together just now is that Max likes to really take a lot of pregnant pauses when he talks so he'll have a thought and then there will be silence like this for like a minute he'll do like that and then it, and then he'll continue talking and I love that because what it means is he's really thinking about what he wants to say to make sure it comes out the way he wants to and there was something really sexy about listening to that and I kind of think it's a new kink I have listening to like people really form Sexy, important, intelligent thought is a huge... It gave me a huge boner when I was listening to it, and I hope you enjoy it, too. He Max also talks repeatedly about being the weird kid, and I, 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 I labeled this episode Nobody Wants to Fuck the Weird Kid because he talks repeatedly about how he's the weird kid with, with autism, and, he, and we laugh about how I am also the weird kid with a disability, so, like, I get it. Um, and we had... Just a really good talk, and he's really, really, he's really, really, he takes his kink very seriously, and he takes his experience as somebody with Asperger's very seriously, and I loved seeing that come together in this show, and I love playing with him and flirting with him a little bit, and talking about all that stuff, and bringing those identities together for this episode. So without further ado, and without any more rambling for me, Let's shine a bright light right now on Minimus, on Minimus Maximus, co-host of the Off the Cuffs podcast, as my guest right here on Disability After Dark. Okay, I'm going to ramble one more time. There was a little bit of an audio stuff there. Uh, I We had some issues with 
the um, with his phone that we were recording on the Skype off of for a minute at one point and you hear him have to log off and then it comes right back on and I don't edit any of that stuff out because I am a shit editor and I don't know how to do anything except put things together so I you don't edit that out and then there's a point where as we're talking he's walking around a little bit and you hear some jingling and some muffling and there's some phones going off at some points and I didn't edit, edit any of that out and so it's a it's an audio, it's an audio treat this one and I hope you enjoy it but here's my important interview about Asperger's autism sex and disability with Minimus Maximus right now Minimus Maximus hello hello hi it's so nice to finally have you on my show I know it's been we yeah we've been dancing around this idea now for I we have I want to say I want to say since my podcast started we've been probably <laughs> yeah. I think I think when my co-host Dick Wound was on your show and you know he was just telling me about what it was and we started running ads for you I went oh I should do that <laughs> and then scheduling and timing and life happened exactly and, yeah but yeah I am so happy you're here I know who you are. And I gave the audience a little intro before this part started, but why don't you reintroduce yourself, tell us who you are, tell us what you do, tell us what's up. Okay. Uh, I am Minimus Maximus. I am the co-host of the Off the Cuffs podcast, which is a kink and BDSM podcast. Uh, We've been going for about three years now. And um, I guess uh, in a roundabout way, that makes me a sex and sexuality educator, a kink and fetish educator. And I'm on Disability After Dark because I am an autistic. I have Asperger's Syndrome. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Like, I, I'm so, You're very welcome. I'm so excited to have you on because I've talked to a lot of people with autism, but I haven't talked to mm-hmm. to male-identified people with autism or Asperger's before. Okay. So this is this is new newer territory for me because a lot of the people that I speak to who deal with autism and live with autism mm-hmm. are non-binary, trans, um, mm-hmm have no gender at all so to meet somebody who is firmly entrenched in their gender identity as a man and have autism is is a i know obviously i know they're out there but i've never talked to somebody about sex and autism and kind of masculinity and disability so yeah i kind of want to jump right in there how does having how does being an aspie which for those of you who are listening is like what's that that's like the cool hipster way of being (laughs) of having asperger's now um yes so how does having Asperger's kind of, kind of, the question I wrote down is how does it affect your sex life? Mm-hmm. But what I'd really like to kind of get at is how does that, how does that play into your understanding of masculinity and kind of who you are as a man? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, um, that was, oh, that was weird for me growing up. Um, because I mean, there's there's other like PTSD stuff in my past too that I've talked about on other podcasts. I am a cult survivor, and that was um, a re- sidebar. Go and listen to the Being There podcast episode one. That was that's a, that was a fucking trip. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so a lot of that once um, I was uh, not currently living that trauma day to day was right about the onset of adolescence and 
so that kind of combined with having having Asperger's and seeing the world in a different way um, was weird in shaping my masculinity. Uh, of course, because also I come from a small town, um, like a, a small farming community on Long Island. So, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff. I'm like, I didn't play sports and, you know, I didn't... Um, I acted aggressively, but inappropriately aggressively. <laughs> um, you know, not in the, the way that, that we think of, of masculinity. Um, How do you mean, like, you... Well, uh, I had difficulty processing emotion, so I would essentially tantrum while I was growing. Like, long after it was age appropriate. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but not in the day-to-day. And uh, there was an assumption when I was growing up um, from most people I knew that I was gay. Um, and it took me a long time to get to the fact that I'm bi. Um, Yay! And also I want to cheer that because we don't hear from a lot of bi people on the show yet either. So, so right. yay. Especially bi Thank men. You. So I want to Thank you. give you all the props for that. And also you're kind of right. cute. So there's that too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it took me a long time to get there because I think for a long time I was pushing against that on like um, the I you know like like I said I didn't fit this traditional masculinity mold, but I still knew I was attracted to to girls and women, and I didn't uh, you know I, I when I found myself attracted to men. That always, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of dismissed that or went, no, no, but I, I like girls. I'm just confused. Um, and then, like, I knew bi was a thing, but I didn't know anybody who was bi. Yeah. Uh, when I got to college, when you get to college, you meet bi women. Um, but even when, you know, especially when I was going to college, bi men were gay. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Being um, bi was a gateway to just being gay, and and, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm ashamed to admit in my younger years that's something that I would have said because right. you want to sleep with the, I want to sleep with the hot straight guy and turn him gay when really he's just bi, and that's right. Too. So yeah, how did kind of like Asperger's play into all these discoveries, or did it? I mean, other than um. Well, I, like I said, I, I, I wasn't diagnosed with Asperger's until I was in my 30s. And when I was, it made so much sense, um, you know, because um, when when I was growing up, um, Asperger's wasn't even a diagnosis. You were just a weird kid. Um, like, it literally wasn't written about in a medical journal until 1992, when I was, which was the year I turned 16. Um, so, right. I was just a weird kid growing up. And, you know, there was probably at least one in every school. Now they have a name for it. I was um, going up. Right, I, I exactly. I am that kid right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's how I discovered BDSM. Um, that's the, the, how Asperger's played into my sexuality was through BDSM. 
And I think when I was when I was in high school and started having sex fantasies, uh, there was always this element of control, like you know the the partner telling me it was usually a woman telling me what to do in like a sexy way, and eventually the internet came along and I discovered like BDSM erotica and I went, oh wow, that's that's a real thing that people can do. Um, and that just made so much more sense to me because, um, when you have Asperger's and, um, things like emotions, um, are a fucking minefield, um, I mean, they're a minefield already, but like then they are. Yeah, exactly. But when you have difficulty processing, I don't like to say I don't understand emotions because I do understand emotions and I do have them. You probably understand them more deeply than the rest of us do, <laughs> but you have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have no way of kind of processing that in, in a way we would understand. I'd say I understand emotion better intellectually than intuitively. <laughs> um, right, but I, I have difficulty processing it. So BDSM was, oh, wait here's a way that people have found to make the structure of relationships work by giving it rules and structure and order. And that made so much sense to me. So it sounds like it's, and this is going to lead right into my next question. My next question was like, okay. how does BDSM play into that? Well, we're already right there. <laughs> exactly. So like it, it, um, so it sounds like, like the BDSM and the autism kind of gave you this nice dovetail of structure that you need exactly. to get off safely and comfortably with a person. Exactly. And um, much more so in the romantic life than the sex life. Um, because you will, you'll meet like hardcore old guard BDSM people who will tell you, um, you know, I don't entirely agree here, but I appreciate the sentiment behind it. Who will tell you, you know, your dominant is not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You know, they're your dominant. Um, and there like, is why can't they yeah. do both? Right, exactly. Well, these days I do, but there, there is to the Aspie brain. There is something really appealing about that. On oh, okay, I don't have to deal with messy stuff like like emotion, like romance. Um, you know, I do what's told of me and what's expected of me, and um, if that includes sex, great. And if it doesn't. Fine, I'll go home and jerk off. Um, <laughs> yeah. So are you, so like the structure of that, when you have sex, do you, because what I'm picturing now, and I'm a, I'm a really ordered person, so I like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it in a way that doesn't look like we've made a checklist, but I like the right. checklist. So for you, is there like a, do you have a sex checklist to give you, like, does that order a sense of like, we're going to do this and this and this, does that give you a sense of like calm? Because I know. Yeah other people with autism that I've spoken to who mm -hmm. do BDSM are like, yeah, it's really calming to have this order because I know what the next steps are. Exactly. My brain isn't jump like, because when, when we have sex, it's supposed to be so spontaneous that I'm, I would assume for a brain like yours, it's overwhelming as fuck and you can't, you don't know how to deal with all that. It, it can be. And it also depends on the person, um, I'm having sex with, um, in a, a long-term dynamic, long-term relationship, I can, um, I can manage that, and it 
actually can be the, the surprise can be pleasant and fun. Yeah. But if it's with uh, a new partner, no, I yeah, I do need some some structure. Yeah, because I mean, because so, so then knowing that, like knowing that long term is easier for you in terms of structure. Does the idea of like a one night stand gonna we're gonna fuck and then I'm gonna leave and we're never gonna talk again? Does that make? Because that makes my brain go into like places of panic. Like what? We're gonna do that and then you're gonna disappear? What? So like, uh, it's funny. Um, since like Tinder and Grinder came around. I can do it. Ooh. Because uh, uh, everybody knows that's what the app's for. Okay. So if everybody's on the same playing field, I'm fine with it. If I has, know because the app has told you and everybody's on there knows right. that you're not there looking for like the your husband or your partner. Right. Like you're on there because I want to suck some dick and right. this is like that's what it's for. Exactly. I want to get naked. That's what it's for. Then you're then right. it's easier for you. Yeah, uh, whatever the, the the level of relationship is, I'm fine as every as long as everybody's on the same level. Um, and I think that's important, whether you have I, a disability or not. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, if you listen, there's uh, an episode of of my show that I'm going to plug that I'm not on. Uh, it's episode number one hundred one BDSM one hundred one, and um, that's uh, Jack TPK just giving a, a like a little intro to BDSM, and he talks about polyamory in that episode, and he says something like, "Okay, sex, romance, play, know what they are, define them for yourself, define them for your partner, understand where everybody is, <laughs> because if you don't, that's where heartbreak lies." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think I think so so many of us don't do that. We don't lay out yeah. those boundaries because. It's not sexy to be like, okay, before we do this, let's set 5,000 boundaries. Right. That's, we don't see that in, in our popular culture ideas of what sex is. Sure. So it's not fun. But really, actually, if you do it the right way, it can be super oh, yeah. enjoyable. Um, can be. We've talked about that on my show on like how that can be a really hot scene if you're into playing with fear. Yeah. You know, because you can... Um, you know, you can do it as the top going, okay, these are the terrible things I'm going to do to you and there's nothing you can do about it, you know, in a fun, in a fun fear way. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I'm having so many visuals of all the things we could do. Um, <laughs> so, so like how, explain to me how this, this, like what is, when you know there's structure and you're, you feel safe in a sexual environment as somebody with Asperger's, what does that calm feel like? Like how does, how do you feel when, you're like, okay, I'm safe to be totally max here, and I'm safe to go into this role without my Aspie brain telling me that I'm not. Like, how does what does that feel like? Well, you just said it. My my Aspie brain kind of shuts off. It's um, my dad practices a lot of meditation, and he tells me a lot about like just getting the the inner voice to shut up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's what it is for me. Is that like if it's if a scene is going well. I'm completely present. I'm completely in the moment, and my brain isn't going off with what went wrong or what didn't go wrong or what I should have said or what I, you know, could have said, could yeah. have said, or yeah, yeah. And I, I find uh -huh. in, in kink communities we talk a lot about like scenes and just going back yeah. to now that I know that now now that I'm understanding more as we talk how important structure is for you. Calling it a scene does that does that kind of give you 
again another layer of structure because it's, when we oh yeah when we talk about sex usually and it's not in a BDSM or scene based context we're <laughs> like oh that was just life we just had sex and that's part of life but right exactly when you compartmentalize it into, into a scene it feels like you can take away like. It doesn't have to be your whole life. This is this moment, and here's what it is. Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, and it's also, um, it helps with, you know, and it's funny, we, we, you and I had a conversation on Twitter about this yesterday, uh, briefly, about um, knowing when the sex begins and knowing when it ends. Yeah. Um, and we, we had a thing about, um, there, there was a, somebody tweeted a thing that I retweeted about, um restructuring your language to say to not say finish to mean ejaculate yeah um and um right that was kind of a wake-up call for me i'm like oh right because porn has been teaching me for 20 years that when the man comes when when your partner comes or you come it's over yeah um yeah or or what what i'm learning in my sex life is with a lot of partners and i work with a lot of sex workers to get my needs met when i don't come or can't come i've somehow disappointed the scene and it's sure like, no you didn't it was you still had a good yeah. time why is your cum shot the only thing that you're right exactly like why does it have to be the end or the beginning why can't it just be part of what it is yeah i had um a couple of years ago uh i had a very enjoyable uh an hour or two of group sex um that didn't end with me coming. And I think that was the first time I was like, never disappointed. I was not <clears throat> disappointed because uh, I didn't make it about my orgasm. I'm, you know? I'm learning. I'm learning to not do that. My trouble with that is from, right. from me anyway, when I when cause because I work with sex workers to get my needs met, those mm-hmm. two hours are my time to be completely sure. inhibited. And then when they mm-hmm. leave and I don't come, what happens usually is, 20 minutes later, I'll send them a text and be like, oh, fuck. I just came thinking about uh, us yeah, being yeah. together. And then because I can't clean myself or take care of myself because I'm a wheelchair user, uh, like, it's like, great, now I'm sitting in a puddle of the, of the jizz that I, <laughs> that I wish you had were there for. So, like, it's a really stressful situation because I, I'm yeah. happy that I came, but I'm like, I just spent all this money to be with this worker Right, and I didn't even get to do what I wanted to do. Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess it's different if you're um, paying a sex worker. Although it depends on the sex worker, because pro doms will, you know, make a whole point about that you don't get to come yeah. Um, yeah. if that's what you're into. Um, but you're still getting your needs met. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm learning, yeah. like I'm learning to, I'm really trying to force myself to like, it's okay that you didn't come, and it's also totally fine that they didn't come, like. It's fine, and it doesn't change that you had a good time. Right. I think straight women are better at accepting that. Yeah. You know? Um, there is definitely some hinges of, like, toxic masculinity. Yeah. When I can't finish, it's like, oh, I'm not a man. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. There is a, a lot of kind of, yeah, that, that kind of thinking. And, and, again, the idea that, you know, you have to finish with your ejaculate. Yeah, or that you both have to finish simultaneously, right. and it has to be this. And even mm-hmm. in like queer male culture, the same thing, you have to come, the top has to come first, and then the bottom mm-hmm. has to come, and that's just right. not, that, that has never happened yeah. once in my sex life. Right. <laughs>
Yeah. That's um, true. Like, never, never once in my sex life has that happened. Usually yeah. I, I come first, but now what I'm noticing is that as I get older and as I get more in my head about the sex I'm supposed to have, mm-hmm. I'm not coming at all. And then 20 minutes later, I'll send that text and I'll be like, oh, fuck, well, that was, that's... <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so, so now, and also now that I know that you're bi, I'm curious, like, how and how does telling both of a female identified partner that you have Asperger's and a mm-hmm. male identified partner like, are there differences in how they react to that <sighs> information? Um. Okay, I I should qualify this by uh, explaining that I um. I'm bisexual. But I don't know that I'm biromantic. Oh. Um, so uh, I've only had, in my 42 years of life, only had um, long-term relationships with women. Okay. I've had sex with men. Um, usually one-night stands. I've gone to glory holes when I was younger. Um, fun. Not accessible, yes. but super fun. <laughs> we need more accessible glory holes. I mean, um, yes. Um... <laughs> And I actually did one at a, a, a BDSM convention that was a lot of fun, where I was the, uh, my, my dom at the time made me actually work the glory hole. Um, Amazing. That was hot. Yeah. Um, so, um, telling male identified partners that I have Asperger's has never really come up. Um, but um, I'm pretty open with everybody, because... If you talk to me, you know, we're talking through Skype, whatever, but if you talk to me face-to-face um, for about 15 minutes, um, you'll either notice that I don't make eye contact or you'll mention one of my specific interests and I won't shut up, um, and you'll know something's off. Um, so it's um, usually... Um, so, so I'm I'm usually pretty open and upfront with with people I meet. It's just easier that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, do you feel like so because you pretty much only had one night stands with dudes, so you don't really find them need they like they don't really want to know about the Asperger's. Sure. They, they exactly. Want to mess around? With I them. can I can mask successfully enough for the the three hours that we're going to be together. You know. Awesome. I like yeah. the I like the time limit there. I like the, I like your, like three hours. <laughs> so what you're saying is sex with you is well, I'm, like, I'm saying from like hey what's up on Grinder to um to thanks for the blowjob see you later. To thanks for the blowjob right <laughs> you know cause you gotta, you gotta figure out who's gonna drive where and... <laughs> oh yeah there's some logistics that have to happen yeah um, so do you have any like funny stories related to your sexuality and your Asperger's that you could share Yes, I do. I don't know if this is... Well, this is funny in... Um, it doesn't have to be funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. It can be funny. Like, no, okay. Good. Awkward because, and weird. Well, I have, a, I have what actually turned out to be a hot scene uh, that I did at a con, again, with uh, my dom at the time a couple years ago, um, where um, one of... Uh, one of the the ways that my my uh, autism manifests itself, and uh, particularly through special interest, is I'm fascinated by like popular media, um, like movies, um, music, that kind of thing. Yeah, but more like the culture around it. So um, that's necessary to know 
for this story. Uh, so we did a scene where she she put me across a spanking bench and got out her toys, and um, she said we we're going to play a game of trivia. But she changed the rules where I had to get it wrong. If I got it wrong, I would not get hit. And then, like, she kept doing different rounds where, like, okay, this time you have to get it. Uh, she, she did one, you have to get it wrong, um, or you won't get hit. And then there was one, like, um, now you have to get it right, but. Uh, oh, and then she started asking, like, trivia questions about, like, how it related to her own life, and those I had to get right, you know. And if I didn't know, and it, it proved that I, I didn't pay attention to her. And it was like all this stuff that really fucked with my, my autistic thought process. But again, like we were saying, um, because it's in, in like a safe and controlled way, um, it was fine and fun and hot. It was like a really cool and hot way to kind of play with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did it take, so, like, in that in moment, though, did it take you a minute to, like, how do you calm your, how do you relax your assy brain when it wants order and you're, like, you're being told? Exactly. No. Um, there's, uh, a, at that point, it's, um, it's like behavioral therapy, you know, it's Pavlovian. Well, do you right. want to get hit or do you want to be right? Which is more important. <laughs> <laughs> And that's really what we're playing with is what is what are you choosing at that point? <laughs> what yeah. yeah. Like what exactly do you want? Do you want me to, to hit you or yeah. no? Yeah, exactly. Um and um I don't know how many of your, your listeners are aware with uh, uh know a lot about BDSM, but like there's always this assumption that every top is a sadist and every bottom is a masochist. Yeah. And for me, that's not true at all. I, I don't like pain. I don't like being hit. It's more about the control, the power dynamics. Um, you that's know. funny, because on your show, you get hit a lot. I do get hit a lot on my show. Um, that was... Uh, uh, and people donate to the cause of hitting me because I don't like to get hit. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's, it's more... Dick likes to hit people. Um Oh, I know. There's an old joke in BDSM. The sadist says, the masochist says, hit me, and the sadist says, no. Um, <laughs> you don't, uh, like, m a lot of sadists like to play with people that don't like to get hit because their reactions are so much better. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. everybody should pause this right now and download all of Off the Cuffs because there's Thank some, you. There are some really funny moments where Max gets hit. I, Thank you. <laughs> some really good moments. Um, yeah. So, do you have any other hilarious stories about Asperger's and sex? Uh, not that I can think of. Sorry. Awesome. No worries. I'm curious, also with your with your with your what are the words I want to say with how with that you're into BDSM. How do you find that the BDSM community accepts or doesn't accept your Asperger's? Like. It sounds like I, they do, mm -hmm. but I'm curious if there's other times where they don't. I I think it's pretty accepting. Um, I think there's a lot more people with ASD disorders um, 
than than in Vanilla Life, and I yeah. think because a lot of us are looking for that structure, and there's a, um, a lot of high-profile kinksters that actually um, that have been on my show that have talked about their ASD openly. Um, Lee Harrington, who I'm going to be seeing in a couple weeks at, at the Fetish Flea in Rhode Island, he um, uh, he talks about that. Um, Amberly Rothfield, uh, who's been on my show, she's um, although she's more she does a lot of stuff with sex work. Um, but she's talked about being an Aspie openly, so it's uh, it's pretty accepting. Um, I really can't think of. Um, I I think. Um, one of the ways that um, it could be, you know, because I, I listen to your show and you talk about accessibility a lot. Yeah, a lot of kinky spaces are not great for people that might have noise sensitivity or other forms of sensory sensitivity. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. There's a lot of whips cracking, a lot of screaming, you know, there's loud music playing lights happening or lack of light. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I mean, all in all the BDSM community is pretty, uh, accepting at the level that I function at. But I mean, I think for, for people that might have, uh, you know, sensitivities toward different sensory experiences, it might be overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Just, I just find the kink community, I find the community very accepting of disability. The spaces yeah. where we munch or where we have things yeah. together or scenes together tend to, mm-hmm. like, make accessibility, even for me as somebody who's not, and I, who's not asked to be identified, like, it's right. really tough to be in those spaces because... Like you were saying, lights, sound. Like, yeah. if I hear a loud sound because of my spastic CP, I'll jump five feet out of my wheelchair. And so, like, it's yeah. not always a comfortable... Like, so I, I do think, like, I think that given that there's so many people, like, high-profile, like, kinksters who are saying, we have, I have Asperger's, this is what I live with. Like, we should be, all of us should be championing, like, different levels of accessibility oh, yeah. in those spaces. Absolutely. Cause I agree. I think we'd get off like mm-hmm. that much better if we knew that like it wasn't it wasn't too loud or wasn't too dark or was just yeah. dark enough or yeah. Exactly. Yes. Or wasn't too bright, you know, yeah. Have, um have you ever been on the other side of it where like you're just part of the Asperger's community and you've said like in a space like, Hey, I'm also into kink have you, like has that ever been a thing you've dealt with? Uh, yeah, I've done that online. Oh, shit, my phone is about to die. Can I Skype? I'm going to Skype you back uh, from the computer we have in the studio here. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, sure, no worries. No worries. Thank you. I'm standing by. So, Max, is there ever a time in your experience as somebody with Asperger's where you're in like an Aspie space and you kind of have to come out as being kinky? Like, does that something that is that something that happens? Uh, yeah, that happens um, online, actually. Um, not a lot, but like I'm in different groups on like Facebook and um, you know, there's different Twitter hashtags and stuff like that uh, for SB people. And um, like I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook that are I'll say it, making fun of neurotypicals. Um, 
and just like you know places for people to share ableist posts they've come across you know yeah um yeah things like um there's one like um sounds like you hate uh, uh sounds like neurotypical nonsense um and there's one like sounds like you hate autistic people um <laughs> And, um, you know, so it's, it's just places to like post, um, stuff about ableism. And, uh, there was one recently where somebody had this long screed on, I want to say Facebook about how, uh, autistic people shouldn't be having sex because we have the minds of children. Yeah. Um, Um, well, that's just very incorrect. Yes, it is. Um, and, um, you know, I get that a lot of that has to do with public perceptions of autism. And, like, when you say just the term autism, people think of uh, very lower-functioning people and not, like, the whole spectrum of ASD. Yeah. I get that. But, um, you know, somebody had this whole screed, so I had to out myself and go... Uh, actually, I'm a sex educator, and I talk about my sex life weekly on a podcast that you can listen to here. Um, Just laying there. No, you uh, have to because like people don't. Yeah, people don't, and it's really super ableist that people don't assume that people with non-visible disabilities, right, are first of all disabled, and they then they hey they also fuck like. Exactly, or visible disabilities, for that matter. I mean, both, but I think it's. I think, mm. I do believe that it can be a little bit tougher for those with non-visible right. disabilities because they continually have to prove that they are mm-hmm. disabled. And do you ever feel that way? Right, that you have to like prove um, that in spaces. I yes, in a, in in a way because. Um, all right. I'm, I'm going to go off on a thing here. But, I'm so ready. Let's go off uh, on a tangent. I'm ready. Okay. Autism support does not extend to autistic adults unless they're very lower functioning. Um, that's that's, 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 I don't know what it's like in Canada. That sounds so much like CP support. Doesn't Yeah. No, there's nothing for you after you age out. Yeah, you age out. And in my case, I wasn't even diagnosed until I was in my 30s. And... Um, you know, there's there's nothing for you. There's there's support group. There's a therapist, and that's about it. There's not um, things on living with the practicality of being autistic on the day to day. And yeah, the the thinking behind that. It's it's easier to help children. I get that. You know, it's easier to explain to people that uh, I'm switching to audio only. Um, awesome. Yeah, good idea. Uh, it's, it's it's easier to explain to people that that you know it's hard to care for an autistic child. I get that. Well, I think um, disability and childhood is people are more apt to help a disabled child because, yeah. oh, look at that poor pitiable child that needs, right. a norm, that needs a normal life. But if you, and I think to go off on a totally, like... They assume once you're 18, you've lived with it for 18 years, you have enough. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, 
because you had so many experiences like as a as an adult with your autism um but you you know you weren't diagnosed as a teenager or a youth kind of coming into right. all this how like looking back on it how do you think your autism your undiagnosed autism may have affected your like sexuality as a kid or your like sexuality as a teenager well I don't think I had a lot of that uh, years to experiment because like I was saying before um, I was just seen as a weird kid you know and nobody wants to fuck the weird kid <laughs> I mean I'm sure there's a fetish loop somewhere for oh somebody I'm who sure wants to fuck the weird kid yeah <laughs> um, but um and it's so funny, like, um, the stereotype nerd, um, like, you can go back and, like, look at, like, every movie, like, uh, Revenge of the Nerds and all those, the, the teenage, those were people with undiagnosed Asperger's. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. <laughs> and so, like, because we talked earlier and, about your love yeah. for, like, pop culture, is that, sure. is that kind of something that you... Did you gravitate to those movies and that kind of stuff because you kind of saw yourself in that um, without realizing it or no? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I mean, as far as sexuality goes, um, there was a lot of, because my specific interest for a couple years um, was comics. And, um, I'm not surprised. Yeah, not at all. Um <laughs> And it's funny, like, now, like, I, I watch the superhero movies, and I go, yeah, that was fine. Um, but 1988 to 1992, literally, my whole world was comics. Like, I don't know how I passed algebra. Um, if, if it, it didn't involve, uh, you know, comic books, I just was not interested. And um, so, at... Uh, a lot of the, the, the sexual fantasies that I had as a teen involved, you know, we talk all the time on our show about uh, Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. Yeah. Or Julie Newmar as Catwoman. Yeah. And that was more Dick's thing. And I don't know why, because Catwoman was such a classic dominatrix archetype. I don't know such why. Such a classic do Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. I don't know why that one passed me by. Uh, I was into uh, the She-Hulk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that explains so much now. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess she was powerful and controlling. So, <laughs> but no, but you talked earlier about like order, and <laughs> she would tell you what to do and give yeah, you orders. Exactly. So there you go. Exactly. Um, and I think this is actually came up on my show uh, on the, the last one we released, um, where we talked about. Um, he talks about having a type, and Dick was saying he doesn't have a type, he's just attracted to uh, all different kinds of women, and I said, I'm like that with female presenting people, um, but with male presenting people, I have a very specific type. Um, Ooh, and what is I your like, type? I like muscle jocks. Me and, too, though. Cause, is it because you yeah. feel like a nerd inside and want to be dominated by the muscle <laughs> Yes. And it's. I think it's also reading all the superhero comics uh, in puberty, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I, I those was, dudes were all caught. I was boned. <laughs> I was boned up for Superman. Like I was like, "Yep, that's." Yeah. 
Yeah. I was never really that much into Batman though, but super like Superman, and like I was into the Ghostbusters for a while. I think that's my nerdy side coming out. Like I was into like I okay, wanted, yeah, I could see that. I wanted to like bone. I can't remember the I can't remember all their names, but the really nerdy with the scientisty one, the really scientisty oh. one. Oh, um, uh, Egon. Yeah, I was really into yeah. him, but I don't quite know why. <laughs> He was just that nerdy. And I was like, all right. And like, I obviously didn't know it at the time, but I, I have a, I get boned up for nerds. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> because you, because you run a, a fetish king fuck guys, I have to ask you this. Mm-hmm. So fetish, okay. fetish porn in the disability community is a big, a big thing. And like, it's sure. It's polarizing because some people think that it's right. problematic, and then there are some people who are like, "Oh, they could be hot." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if somebody was like, "Hey, we want to create an, a, an Aspie porn like that centers Aspergers or people with Aspergers," is that something that you like? Could you see that being a thing people could market? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think it would have to be. Actually, I could see it going both ways. I was I was saying, oh, I think it would have to be um, where the Aspie was was the bottom, because you know then it it's just uh, you know all right, stop talking about your specialized interest and fuck me. Um, and <laughs> yeah. then I realized I talked about doing that scene earlier. Um, I mean, and and but now I'm thinking about it could be you know the top. Uh, you know, because it, it, that, that's very controlling and, you know, very, okay, you're going to do this and then you're going to do this. And... Yeah, no, I, I think, like, I think, I just think, yeah. because I think fetish porn in a positive light for people with disabilities, whatever your disability, could be really empowering. And I just was like, I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I think control and porn is a thing people get off on, as we've talked mm-hmm. about. So, like, it would be really interesting to see a director be like, let's center that. And not necessarily mm-hmm. fetishize yeah. it, but center it positively. Yeah, no, I think it'd be great. I'm going to call out a mutual friend of ours here. Um, Ken Melvinberg was on our show and talked about how he fetishizes deaf women. Um, oh! Yeah, apparently he, he has a lot of deaf porn. Well, um, I want to talk to him about that. If you're listening, Ken, we've talked. Come on my show and talk yes. about this with me and let's have a discussion. Um, because I think... I just think it could be awesome if done in the hands of with like autistic or disabled people. If the porn is centered with them in mind, it's a could be a really powerful tool. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and that's what we talked about when we talked with Ken about that. Uh, you know, it's it's not about exploitation as much as it is about you know center, like you said, uh, putting that person in mind and going, see, this person can also be hot. Yeah, this person and like. So, yeah. so, I mean, if somebody was, like, okay, so my next question is, if you are going to, like, not necessarily get in a romantic relationship with somebody, but mm-hmm. maybe you're just going to fuck around, what advice would you mm-hmm. have for somebody who is wanting to fuck an autistic person or somebody who's an Aspian and has questions about, like, how do I do that respectfully? How do I talk about their autism? Like, what? And I know mm-hmm. when, when I talk about disability, like, physical disability culture, I lay out like what I need to do and I lay out how that yeah. feels and all that stuff. But because 
mm-hmm. Asperger's is relatively an invisible disability in some respects. Right. How would you, like, what would you say to set a safe, sexy scene for somebody who is wanting to fuck an autistic person? What do they need to know? I, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give is don't assume anything. Don't assume um, that uh, your autistic partner is going to know what you want or even what they want um, until it's actually happening. Um, so a lot of preparation, a lot of negotiation. Um, and uh, like we talk about a lot in BDSM, you know, it's okay to negotiate before, during, and after. Um, after being, you know, if you assume that you're going to fuck this person again, going, okay, well, what can we do differently next time? Um, yeah, like, aftercare is, yeah. like, super essential. And oh, like, sure. Doesn't happen hardly yeah. enough. Yeah. Like, I had, uh, that's I had sex true. with a dude the other night, and he was like, oh, okay, bye, and I was like, dude, that's it? Like, we're, okay. Mm. All right. Uh, sure. There's my other standard piece of advice. Aftercare is just as important for the top. <laughs> yeah. If you're bottoming in a scene, if you're bottoming in a scene, then the top, uh, you know, and top knows you need to cuddle and, you know, eat chocolate and whatever. Don't assume that they're okay just because you're getting your needs met. Totally. I think mutual aftercare. Like, And so, yeah. so do you, I mean, would, do you, because you like order and boundaries and things, do you, how do you, as an autistic person, how do you set up aftercare? Is that something you lay out beforehand or how, like, yeah. how, how would you do it? Um, I don't tend to lay it out beforehand because a lot of the play I do is uh, very emotion-based. I, I do a lot of like humiliation and degradation scenes. Um, and when the scene goes emotional like that, I want to be left alone. Um, I just want to... Yeah, exactly. I just want to listen to music and smoke a cigarette and just, you know, right, recenter. Um, and then I'm ready to talk about and deconstruct the scene, but I need 15 minutes of just alone time. Um, when the scene is more physical and we don't really play a lot with the emotional component, um, if I know that going in, I'll say, okay, um, you know, I'm going to need to hug and cuddle for a few minutes afterwards, you know, I'll, I'll, is it weird that I, I usually do like the... two minutes trying to figure out how we would fuck in my brain? I'm just no, like, no, no, Oh, no. how would we, how would we, I, I literally was like, Oh, I'm an emotional fucker. Like, how would we, how would any of this go down? <laughs> um, no, no, it's not weird at all because we're, we're constantly doing that on my show where somebody will come and bring us a fetish and we'll go, Okay, I need to unpack this because I just got a boner. <laughs> I mean, I've kind of had one since we started talking, so, I mean... Oh, thank you. But no, I was trying to unpack in my brain, like, how would, how, how would our, how would, given our, given both of our levels of disability, and I need more physical care than, say, you would, but you might right. need more emotional care than, or I would. I mean, it, really, it sounds like... Sure. It sounds like we we would compliment each other. But I think, no, yeah. the discussions of, like, mutual aftercare for oh, yeah. for anybody, but especially for people living with invisible disabilities who need different things mm-hmm. is super key. Sure. 
Um, have you ever been with another person with Asperger's in sex? Is that something you've explored? Uh, undiagnosed, yes. Okay. Um, I've, uh, yes, I, uh, I have, uh, my, my last dom, um, she thinks she may, uh, have, uh, Asperger's or some other form of ASD, but, um, she doesn't have an official medical diagnosis. Because those um, are fucking hard to get. They are fucking hard to get, like I said, especially for somebody who's, uh, older, um, you know, I know there's a current backlash against autism where, you know, parents are now saying we diagnosed it too quickly and in children, and that might be true, but I think there's a, a point for adults. I, I read when I first was diagnosed, I read everything I could about Asperger's and I remember reading, um, something, um, you know, some article online that said, you know, if you think you might be on the spectrum, then you probably are. Um, especially in adult, in adults, because, uh oh, oh no, did I lose you? No, no, you got me, you got me. So, okay. Um, you were saying that. Oh. So, as an adult, if you think you're on the spectrum, you probably are. And I just thought, like. You probably. I just thought to myself, like, oh, well, I have, like, maybe like, that's something that I should look into. Because, like. Because, <laughs> like, I. <laughs> I spend a lot, like, a lot of my time alone. And there are, there are definitely some signs yeah. in me where, like, maybe that's a thing that I should, should consider. Sure. Um, I think it's, it's possible. And I've, I, I have known people that have gone, you know, for the diagnosis and um, come back learning they're not on the spectrum, but they have other forms of mental health issue that wasn't even considered. Like, uh, somebody with depression. Um, depression and I are best friends. Right. Or PTSD, things like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I know you're. A I mean, and I'm. I'm not saying it's not possible to have those things and have Aspergers. Yeah, there's a lot of like comorbidities that can totally happen. Sure. With, and I, I'm, I was just thinking like, some of my stuff is I'm quite introverted. I'm. Mm -hmm. I was that weird kid, and so I'm just thinking about our conversation, being like, maybe right. like I was. I am still that weird kid, so. I'm not. Yeah. Saying, I'm not saying that I'm going to self-diagnose, but it's something that I that listening to you, I was like, well, maybe I should look look into stuff. So I might. Yeah. Do that. Um, I wanted to ask you also because I know you're a pop culture junkie. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. of, there's a lot of movies and shows right now that are kind of playing with the idea of autism, like that show, mm -hmm. The Good Doctor, and there's a couple other ones right now. Right. When you see stuff like that, as somebody living with with Aspergers and living with this. And it's a part of your real life. Like, how do you, as and as somebody who loves pop culture and kind of the, right. the culture around that, how, do you do you watch that stuff? Does it ever come across your radar? It's it's difficult. I didn't watch the Good Doctor. Um, I tried the one on Netflix. Uh, I wish I could remember the name. Atypical. 
Atypical, yeah. Atypical was like in the autism community, people hated it. But I was a little more lenient on, on it and said, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, those of us with Asperger's were going to pick it apart and <laughs> just based on who we are anyway. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and say that doesn't speak to uh, every single particular aspect of my appearance uh, or my, my experience, rather. But um, I was a, a little more lenient on it and just in the idea that it got the conversation started. It was it was enough at that point to see representation. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, unfortunately the representation is not actually represented by like a person with actually autism. So unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I believe don't hold me to this, but I believe I read an interview with Danny Pudi from community who said he thinks he might, uh, be on, on the, uh, spectrum. That would not surprise and me. And he played a, a, I mean... And he played a person with autism on Community, so... Yeah, his Community character was, like... Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that. If he is on the autism spectrum, I will enjoy yeah. that even more, because I love that show, and that was a great show when it came out. I mean, it declined yeah. steadily in its quality, like, between... I there. never saw that final season, that... that one that was on Yahoo. I never uh, saw that. So don't even waste your. It was just, <laughs> don't even waste your time. Um, it was just so bad. <laughs> Although the one that pissed me off was the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh really? Why? Uh, um, oddly enough, it held, it handled the cult survivor stuff well. <laughs> I was fine with that. Um, <laughs> but in a like a later season, like the third or fourth season. Uh, there's a thing where she gets a job at a tech company, and of course, like the CEO of the tech company is a 19 year old with Asperger's, um, and uh, his his stuff is all played for laughs. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, like he literally has lines of dialogue about how I need Kimmy to talk to me because my brain gets too hot, and uh, oh no, you know, like he. You know, she's going to go on a business trip, and he demands she take pictures of the train. And oh, like oh, yeah, yeah. That they, was... did, they did some stuff like, <sighs> with like with like some like really poor Asian representation in season two or whatever. And yeah, I was like, oh, okay. and 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 indigenous people representation. Yeah, and I was like, you're yeah. really towing the line here. Like, I, I love Ellie Kemper, and, and she's great, but I was like, wow, I don't know why yeah. this is okay. And I. I get that the joke was that Jane Krakowski was playing an indigenous person, but it still didn't feel right. Yeah, no, it feels super you know? like super colonizer. Like uh, it just yeah. like, it just was really weird. Um, yeah. So to move it back to kink, because you mentioned mm -hmm. two or three times in our interview today that you're into humiliation and degradation. Um, yep. Which is awesome, because so am I. Uh, I do. Which awesome. I'm, I'm learning about myself as I have sex with people. Um, awesome. Uh, but I'm curious, like, how... Well, I mean, you call yourself a cripple queer. <laughs> it's there a little bit. I mean, it's it's there. It definitely is there, yeah. Yeah. So, like, how does... How does that... How does, like, degradation and humiliation play into autism, or does it? Uh, oh, it, it absolutely does, because when you're the weird kid, you get bullied. Um, 
And for me, a lot of it was about owning that and saying, okay, if I fetishize that and I make myself aroused by bullying, that I can own my bullying and yeah. I can control um, what's great about it, you know, or, you know, I, I can control, I can make it fun and hot and, and safe for yourself. Safe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's part of it is that I know, you know, the scene's going to end eventually and I'll still be here. And if it's done right, I'll be stronger, feel better. So, and I'll, and I'll, so yeah. Do, do you feel like by doing that, you, like, so do you feel the need to, like, you just said stronger and better. Do you feel the need to, like, conquer the autism or is it something you, like, are getting more comfortable to live with? No, I mean, I'm getting more comfortable to live with it. It's, yeah, I don't, hmm, I don't feel like I need to, to conquer it. But uh, like we were saying before, you know, for in that scene, in that, you know, 10, 20 minutes, whatever it is, um, you know, if I can feel centered and present, it does feel a little bit like I've conquered it, or at least I've shut it off. Yeah. And I think that's like a, that's a huge difference between, like, a huge difference between somebody with an in, invisible disability and, like, say, my disability, whereas, like, I know I can't shut it off, I know it's present visibly, so yeah. I kind of have to embrace it really hard, whereas you, it sounds like you're trying to find a way to both embrace it and also be like, go the fuck away every ten minutes so I can get off. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because, like, I would love to say to my CP, like, go the fuck away for ten minutes so I can, like, sure. fuck this person the way that I really want to. Thanks. Right. Like, there are definitely moments where that's a real thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I have mm -hmm. to kind of put those desires aside because sure. my body says, like, sorry, we're not, <laughs> the CP's not going away, so you got to just deal with it. And what's amazing about listening to your show, though, is just um, the way certain people can uh, not only adapt but fetishize it that I absolutely love. Um, I wish like that my, more people would fetishize disability just yeah. generally. But sorry, I cut you off. I was totally listening. What were you, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know, um, uh, like with Dick, and he, he can't do, um, because of his heart, he can't do electro play scenes. Um, yeah. You know, so he's really into the idea of being murdered with electricity. That was <laughs> so. such a fucking weird that was the and it was one of my favorite interviews i've ever done it was such a weird yeah. hour and a half to sit with him and have these really vulnerable moments of like conversation and listen if you haven't heard this this uh, this episode, go back to episode 66.2 or something and that's where it is um but we go into all the stuff there and we talk about his we talk about so many things about heart failure and death and porn and yeah. coming and so many yeah. things. It's a it's a really powerful interview. So so yeah, it's, it's great. Um, but um, you know, so like he'll do scenes where, um, you know, his top uh, will, you know, put, you know, show him her putting batteries in the uh, cattle prod. And then just leaving on the table next to him. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Dick. Dick. Um, oh, 
um, you know, or or me with the uh, the really intense humiliation play I get into. You know, that's so much of that is about fetishizing my own Aspergers. You yeah, know? So, like, so like, go into that for me. Like, what? Okay, so if you were to set up a scene with a partner that was like your complete humiliation, Aspie, like disability, like dream, what would it? What is? What would that look like for you? Oh, I've already done it. <laughs> because my dom at the time figured out a way to mind fuck me and I wasn't sure I'd be into that because that fucks with my sense of structure. Um, mind fucking is it's not outright lying but it's more making somebody believe something that's not actually happening. It's like gaslighting. Uh, gaslighting, yeah. Um, and you know, we'd had conversations about it where um, you know, I was saying, I don't think I could ever do that, you know, um, because that fucks with the sense of, uh, you know, our, our dynamic structure, you know, how am I supposed to trust you if when we're playing, you're just gonna, you know, do whatever you want with, you know, why, why even ask me? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so we did a scene where um, she showed me a Sharpie marker and she restrained me to uh, a bondage cross and then told me that every time she, she was going to paddle my ass and every time I screamed what she felt was too loud, she'd write another one of my porn searches on my back for everybody to, you know, everybody that was in the dungeon could see um, you know, what porn searches, and she was going to whisper in my ear what she was doing, what she was writing. And there are porn searches I do not want the world to know that I've searched. I am so <laughs> curious about that. I... <sighs> so curious. Um, there, there, there's stuff that I've, I have come out on on my show with since then, but at the time. I... Um, you know, I've searched like uh, SSBBW. Um, you know, um, uh, oh, um, you know, Grandpa fucks grandson, that kind of thing. <laughs> mm. Okay, all right, yeah, um. So, you know, I'm standing there, I'm getting beaten, I'm trying not to scream, you know. She's determining whether or not I'm screaming too loud, so of course everyone is, know that I heard you. <laughs> um, oh, wow. And she keeps whispering in my ear which search she's writing. What She did not write the actual things. What she wrote was, he thinks when he's screaming, I'm writing a secret fetish he enjoys, please laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, that's gonna fuck. That would fuck. I, that would fuck me up for sure. Yeah, it was. Um. Um, it was pretty amazing because, um, and again, it. What was so amazing about that is it was the way she figured out a way to gaslight, mind fuck me without really. Um, she didn't really do anything to you. 
Right, exactly. Without doing she just irreparable made, she damage. She made you think yeah. that she was really doing something horrible, but really exactly. And did that exactly. the feeling of that? Did that was that? And now that you kind of know what that is, was that a like? Mm-hmm. Because we talked earlier about fear and like fear, how fear can be a, a sexy thing, and like did, yeah. So now that you kind of know that that happened, is is that a turn on for you? That fear of like something Does oh yeah get you off yeah and you know when um you know if you negotiate you know exactly what a person's going to and not going to do to you you know if you've entered in a bdsm scene in good faith um it's it becomes easier to just you know play along with the fear yeah you know because you know nothing truly terrible is going to happen yeah um and so funny is I know I'm, I'm bragging here a little bit, but um, go on. We 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 went to the Exotica porn convention uh, this year, and we actually met a couple porn stars who have a podcast, and they talked about meeting us on their podcast, and they said I love their show because they don't give a fuck; they'll just talk about anything and go, well, "What are you going to do? Shame me? I already said it." Um, um, so, so there is, you know, there, there is that element to it on, you know, at a certain point you just have to accept, you know, especially if you're a sex educator, especially if you're going to be talking about your own sexuality, you just have to say, you know what, I might be a little embarrassed by the things I talk about, but yeah, I think it's worth talking. And you really do have to let it go. You really just have to let yourself. Like, yeah. When and the same on my show. Like when I put myself out in the public eye, I know what I'm gonna. Yeah. I know what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. there it is. It's on the podcast yeah. for however you know forever. And there it is. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And you know. Um. There's things we talk about where we want to um. Be. You know, where we want to couch it in, we're talking about fantasy. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, there's times on my show where I'll talk about somebody or an experience I had, and I'll make sure that I don't say their name, and I'll make sure that, like, right. they're totally protected so that it goes back to me. But yeah. I, I know what I say yeah. when I say something on the show. Like, it's totally, I'm going to say it, and there it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, we've had people on our show um, talk about, like, age play, for example. And, um, you know, we, you know, I think we come to it with an understanding of, all right, these are not actual people underage, you know, and that's not even where the fetish comes from. It's more about playing with the taboo. And, you know, we, we will approach a lot of stuff like that because, yeah, we and you will talk about stuff that, I don't know, you know the vanilla public might not be ready for. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's why we have both our shows, because yeah. the general public is generally not ready for kink, and they're definitely not ready for disability, yeah. and then if you put the two together, it's like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, how does, um, how does this work? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're getting there. Fifty Shades of Grey was a huge bestseller. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was problematic in so many ways, but sure. oh, it was like yeah, like it was, and it was super white feministy and like yeah, in all the way and like okay, can we just be real about how people who are kinksters, like 
many of us don't look like that. Right. <laughs> um, that was the meme going around when the movie came out, I think. Hey, if it was in a trailer park, you'd call it abuse. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, uh, now I feel about Fifty Shades kind of the same way I feel about Atypical. It's not supposed to be an actual representation of BDSM lifestyle. It's a fantasy. It's a very white, very middle-class uh, fantasy. Um, but it does get the conversation started. And I've talked to people on my show who have said, I'm here because of Fifty Shades of Grey. Wow. Yeah. Oh, what happens is they, they come into the BDSM community, they discover it's not like this fantasy novel, but they like it and they stay. I would never, I would never expect somebody to, to say, "I'm here as a kingster because of that movie." That's, I mean, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of awesome. Yeah, Floss from the Proud to Be Kinky podcast. She's unapologetic about it. That's right. And got me think. And actually, you know, having her on our show made me start rethinking about the way we talk about that book. Because she was so, you know, because she talked about that. Because like every other kingster, when we started out, we were going, oh, that's terrible. Um, and, you know, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not here saying, you know, it's a classic of Western literature. I'm not here saying that it's uh, a great representation of BDSM lifestyle. But it's a, in, your, it's, in your view, it's a start of a conversation. It's the start of a conversation if people want to have that conversation. Uh, about a year ago, Dick did a, um, a 101 class, not even 101, like more of a bedroom play class. Yeah. Um, aimed specifically at uh, vanilla people who might be interested in exploring things with their partners. And he brought up Fifty Shades of Grey, and he said, I know I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a sex educator. I'm from the BDSM lifestyle, but I'm here to tell you it's okay if you like that book. Uh, <laughs> and and did and when did people respond like positively to that? Um, people did. Um, I think they did. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I think people did respond positively on just you know there's there's a little bit of a relief in that. Um, on, you know, once you're in the kink lifestyle, we can have a conversation about how problematic it is, um, and how the kink lifestyle is probably not what you expected if you're using that book as a roadmap. But you have to get there um, first. But yeah, you have to get there first, and it's okay if that was your introduction, because every week on our show, we ask somebody else their radioactive spider bite, and it can come from all kinds of different places. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't remember what I said. Mine was I don't remember what I, I don't. Ah, re- <laughs> oh, I should have listened to your episode with us because I don't remember either. I know because all, all I remember from recording our episode was me saying like, "Okay, we got I got twenty minutes. I'm gonna go suck a dick in twenty minutes." Oh right, <laughs> we were very limited. You had yeah, a date. That's we were on a ta- We were on a time crunch because I had dick to suck. That's where my brain was. Um. Was that, a, was that a sex worker? 
He, it was. Okay, so you had a specific appointment time. I had an appointment time set up, and at the time, at the time, I hadn't come out as working with sex workers yet. So, if you listen back to that episode, episode ninety nine, <laughs> your show, I think, and everybody yeah. should pause and listen. If you listen back to that episode, you can hear me say, "Oh, I have a date," but really, what I was saying was, "Like, yeah. I got to see a worker now." Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's another one that we could spend an hour on on the stigmatization of sex workers. I mean, we but, could, there's so many. I have so many feelings about that, but I love sex workers and they're great. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> you and I went off on a thousand tangents, which are I'm all, so sorry. which are all amazing, and I love all of them, and I'm keeping all of this in because it's all good. Uh, awesome. But I want to know what could you if you were to give any advice to like some parting words to autistic people who want to explore kink, what might you say? Um, do it, but do it at your own pace. Don't feel pressured to do more than you want to do. We talk about a thing in the kink community called frenzy. Usually they said sub-frenzy, but it affects tops and doms too. And that's the idea that you get into kink, um, you know, and there's all these sexy people doing all these sexy things, and you want to try all of it, and you've got to do it all right now. And I can tell you from experience, that can lead to some very dangerous things. That can lead to pushing your limits, not really understanding your limits. Um, so I think if you're interested in, in pink, absolutely go to a munch, meet some local people in your community. Um, be upfront about your disability and your mental health and explore at your own pace. Awesome. Two questions as you were talking, because all of a sudden I was like, I want to ask this. So, one, how do we make munches or kink munches more accessible to the Aspie community? Ooh. You know what? I was actually, for a while, I was toying with the idea of an Aspie-only munch or I mean, an Aspie-friendly munch. I mean, you should. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, although right now I will plug um, the uh, munch that the audio engineer for my show, Lexual Romance, uh, does on Long Island as being pretty Aspie-friendly because it's not at a bar, it's at a coffee house. Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of quieter and the lights are low. And <clears throat> I think she usually has about 10 people there, so it's a little more intimate. If you're better in smaller groups, yeah. Um, so like, so like generally I, low, low lighting and like not eat a lot of sound. Exactly, but I think um, you know, running a specifically not Aspie only, but an accessible munch. If you're in your local community and <laughs> the the munch at your place is not particularly. Um, Aspie friendly. Talk to some community leaders, see what they think. If you know other autistic people in your community, and see what they think about running a, an ASD friendly munch, because um, I think we need more of those. And they're extremely rare. So <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And my last question was: uh -huh. You had been talking about. You were just talking about the limits. So, as somebody with Asperger's, then, and you're into a lot of stuff. So, like, as somebody yeah. with Asperger's, like, what are your limits? Like, what 
what okay. is a hard no for you as, as an Aspie Kingster? Um, I, I think I boiled it down to two. I mean, I could list a hundred soft limits because soft limits for me tend to be not with not the right, not without the right person. Yeah. Um, I think I've boiled my hard limits down to two. Um, I don't play, I, I don't want to play with poop. Um, I mean, if, if it's a natural side effect of, you know, what we do, that's like one thing. Ass fucking sure, but. Right, yeah. I should, ass fucking, enemas, things like that. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. That that's fine, but you know I I don't want you to shit on me. <laughs> fair, fair, which is funny because I have other body fluids. No problem. I was the demo bottom for a water sports scene at a con last year. Um, so poop wow. um, and um, and um, nothing goes in my pee hole. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I have a catheter and up until having to use a catheter, mm-hmm. I would have said the same thing to you, except now I don't have a choice. So part of me is like, right. hmm, maybe I'll try this. <laughs> there's a, there's a Dom locally here who does sounding play. Um, and she refers to it as fucking the cock. <laughs> oh, just, I mean, I, uh, and I, I, yeah. I support that. If that's your like, Yama. If that's like, your king, yeah, I, I get that. But my, like, my brain even goes like, oh no. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to be fair, I um, getting back to the poop thing for just one second. Um, as you do, I have. As you do, I have inadvertently played with poop um, in another water sports scene. Person peeing on me had a vagina. Um, they were having. Um, you know, a leaky body fluids day, and you know there was a side effect, but it wasn't deliberate, so yeah. I was okay with that. Things yeah. happen, like like yeah, I have IBS, so things happen, and you have to be things like, happen. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's completely different from yeah. <laughs> awesome. I don't know how to segue yeah. out of that, so I'm just gonna go straight. To the, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go straight to the segue minimus maximus it was a wild ride of a conversation that uh, we had today. It's a lot of fun so yeah much fun we went yeah over some things that i did not think we'd go over and here we are uh yep. it was great <laughs> so i want to it was a lot of fun it was so much fun i want to be able to uh get people to get to know your stuff mm-hmm. and how to get a hold of you and how to listen to your show mm-hmm. and so how to give, give us your like sure. bullet of how to get a hold of you Okay, sure. Uh, the show is called Off the Cuffs, a kink and BDSM podcast. Uh, you can just search for Off the Cuffs with an S, because if you do the singular, that's a sports podcast. Um, oh. Not kidding. I I really want to know what kind of uh, messages they get on Twitter. Um, <laughs> um, um, so Off the Cuffs, um, and it's on pretty much any podcast app. Um, and if it's not on your podcast app, get in touch with me and we'll get it on. Uh, but we're on like the major, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, um, you know, all those. And, um, 
I can be uh, I can be found on Twitter at minimusmaxim without the us because somebody already had that. Um, and the podcast is OCP Kink pretty much across social media. Every uh, time I Twitter, see your Twitter, I want to. I think it's pink, and I have to be like, no, that's not what the words are. <laughs> Uh, oh, and the website is offthecuffs.org, and I should plug that because we are actually now, we just revamped it. It was kind of out of date, but we, we got it up and current, and um, it looks great. The new revamped website looks great. And uh, when is this dropping? This is probably uh, four weeks from now. Okay. Um, well... Through March, uh, Off the Cuffs listener Ragdoll, who can be found um, on Twitter at R4GDoll, Ragdoll with a 4 for the A, uh, who does uh, kink, fetish, sexual art, um, is doing uh, commissions, and um, a percentage of all the commissions they take now through March is going to Off the Cuffs. So if you want to commission some kink art, contact Ragdoll. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, this was such a fun conversation. We we went This was great. So many places. I love all of it. Um yep. and I just want to thank you for coming on and for us for finally doing uh, it. Uh you're quite welcome. Yes. So Glad good. we could connect finally. Finally. Um yes. Max, you're awesome and I'm gonna to talk to you when I hit off in a minute, but thanks for coming Thank on you, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Sugiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.